the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, good morning. It is a Wednesday morning, Dave Ellswick Show. I'm a I'm, I'm consuming large quantities of coffee right now. I got in bed about 12.30. I got back up here at 3.45, and I'm in studio, and I'm ready to go. Here, here's the first thing that I want to say. Uh, this red wave did not materialize. Uh, as we go through this morning, we'll be talking to people that may be able to help us understand why that didn't happen, because I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, with inflation the way it is, with the economy the way that it is, with gas prices the way they are, with food prices the way they are, that it didn't materialize, I want to figure out what the rest of America is thinking about. Because you, Arkansas, did what you knew needed to be done. Uh, there was a solid tsunami of red here in the uh, the state of Arkansas. So uh, we'll talk about that uh, as well uh, before uh, today is over. Uh, let me start off with this because it was a, a very big uh, issue that was facing the state and that was uh, issue four dealing on marijuana. Uh, if you had not uh, heard, uh, Voters here in Arkansas rejected issue four, the amendment to legalize marijuana in Arkansas. But when you when you look at that sentence, and that that's from the Family Council Action Committee, by the way, it was so much more than rejecting marijuana. Uh, it was rejecting giving a, a small group of growers almost unlimited power over a product. It was. Uh, you know, giving uh, uh, unlimited power to decide, you know, uh, a few people to decide how much THC should go into, you know, edibles and 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 uh, uh, marijuana in general. Uh, there was the the whole thing about THC oil and anything dealing anything dealing at all with the marijuana plant being under this group's uh, control. It was uh, making this a uh, Arkansas constitutional amendment. I'd rather it not be an amendment to the Constitution. Uh, it, it was striking out uh, the state legislature from having anything to say, which meant that you yourself, uh, a citizen of Arkansas, uh, would have lost any voice that you had. So there was a lot in that bill that was just absolutely terrible. Uh, the people here in the state understood that, and rightly so, they voted it down. 
the Family Council Action Committee Executive Director Jerry Cox released a statement, and here's what it said. This is a stunning victory for Arkansas. Supporters of Issue 4 spent more than 13 million dollars placing it on the ballot and trying to uh, persuade voters to support it. Arkansas knew better than to go along with that. Uh, This was a true David and Goliath fight and David won. The campaign against issue four had only a fraction of the money that the uh, marijuana industry had but it was defeated by a broad coalition of churches business groups, elected officials, and citizens who knew that Issue 4 was going to be bad for Arkansas. Uh, Jerry Cox praised the broad coalition of groups and individuals who opposed Issue 4. Defeating Issue 4 was truly a team effort. We couldn't have defeated Issue 4 without the broad bipartisan coalition against it. Here are just a few of the people who spoke out against this measure. Former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee, Governor Asa Hutchinson, Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin, U.S. Senators Bozeman and Cotton, U.S. Congressman Rick Crawford, French Hill, and Bruce Westerman, Attorney David Couch, marijuana advocate Melissa Fultz, uh, the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, dozens of state lawmakers, the Arkansas Farm Bureau, the Arkansas Trucking Association, the Arkansas Chamber of Commerce, Arkansas Children's Hospital, Focus on the Family, the Arkansas Faith and Ethics Council, the Republican Party of Arkansas, the Arkansas State Lodge Fraternal Order of Police, and many, many others. Every one of those individuals and organizations brought something unique to the fight against Issue 4. We were able to defeat Issue 4 today because everybody uh, did their part. Cox said he hopes uh, the vote sends a powerful message to the corporations that want to legalize marijuana in Arkansas. And quoting uh, Cox again, the marijuana industry spent millions of dollars trying to write itself into the Arkansas Constitution. Uh, now they know that Arkansas uh, do not support or Arkansans do not support that kind of crony politics. Communities in Arkansas don't want to be Portland or Chicago. The people who backed issue four should think twice before trying to legalize marijuana in Arkansas. So that was what Jerry Cox had to say. Twelve minutes after six, Dave Ellswick show. Uh, this uh, is a um, notice from the Republican National Convention spokeswoman, Savannah Vire, who you've heard on this show many times. Congratulations to Governor-elect Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Senator John Bozeman, and the rest of the Arkansas Republicans who were soundly elected tonight. The natural state is fortunate to have strong conservative leaders who will hold Joe Biden accountable for the multiple crisis that he has created. I just want to say for Tim Griffin, uh, who's going to be the new AG, and he'll start that job in January, uh, I'm sure he's already up to snuff now talking to Leslie Rutledge, who won the lieutenant governor's race. Uh, There's some big fights up ahead of you, brother. You know, there's some big, big fights. 
uh, that we're going to have to fight against uh, the administration and try to uh, stop them from doing a lot of stuff that uh, they've been they've been doing. Now, a lot of people think that uh, for some reason haven't figured it out exactly. Uh, think that uh, abortion is illegal in America. Uh, they don't understand what the Supreme Court ruled uh, back in June as far as the Dobbs case, and that what happened is that uh, abortion was uh, returned to the states. It's a states' rights issue. It is not a federal issue because it, it's not in the Constitution. Uh, it is a states' rights uh, Constitution. Uh, go read, uh, you know, um, 10. You know, you want to read Amendment 10 of the Constitution and, and understand that all the powers uh, not given to uh, specifically to the federal government are relegated to the state. And so the states are supposed to make uh, up this decision. Now, with that in mind, I can look at this uh, article that I have for you about what went down in Michigan yesterday dealing uh, with abortion. And let me bring that up to bring you up to date on that as well. You may not have uh, have heard what uh, what all went down as far as that's concerned. Michigan voters, Michigan voters determining what they want to be legal or not legal in their state, not to be told that something must be legal or illegal in their state by the federal government. Michigan voters, after an expensive and tense campaign, approved a sweeping amendment to the state's constitution guaranteeing the right to abortion and other reproductive health services. The uh, decisive vote in Michigan following the defeat by double digits of an anti-abortion proposal in Kansas uh, back in August bolsters arguments from abortion rights supporters that the issue can draw strong support even in purple states and the measure passed 55.7% uh, as of uh, 3.40 this morning. Of the five abortion rights measures on state ballots, Michigan's arguably carries the highest stakes. If it had failed, there remained the possibility that a 1931 law banning abortion with no exceptions for rape or incest could have gone back into effect. That law was blocked in court after Planned Parenthood and Governor Whitmire challenged it earlier this year. The court fight will continue to decide if the law will be permanently struck down. The amendment vote all but ensures Michigan will remain a haven for abortion. And access in the uh, Midwest uh, post row and health care providers in the state are uh, gearing up uh, for an influx of patients from Wisconsin, Ohio, Indiana, and other states that have or are likely to enforce near total bans on the procedure. Many of those providers were prominent voices in ads on the campaign trail and testifying in court in the lead-up to the vote, arguing that allowing the near-century-old law to take effect would endanger patients with high-risk pregnancies. Many Democratic officials and some business owners in the state also made an economic case for passing the amendment, predicting that abortion rights protections would make it easier to recruit and retain workers in the struggling 
Rust Belt state and make it possible to poach businesses from other states with more restrictions on the procedure. The point that I want to make about this is this is exactly what the Supreme Court allowed. This is exactly what Dobbs said. It will be up to the states and the citizens thereof to decide what they want to do in their state about abortion. So as far as I'm concerned, though, I'm glad I don't live in Michigan because I don't know if I could support a government that supports, uh, you know, murder. Uh, bottom line is, is that uh, they, uh, they, they said that they're going to be the uh, abortion or oasis of the Midwest, basically. So, um, but Ohio... Indiana and other states uh, that surround uh, Michigan are not, and that's the way it should be. So uh, let's not uh, let's not uh, be saying that uh, the federal government should uh, codify abortion everywhere because the people of this country don't want it to be codified everywhere. It's very obvious. Uh, the way that it's viewed here in the state of Arkansas versus someplace like Michigan, you can see what the what the uh, Supreme Court uh, was saying. All right, 19 after 6. Let's get a break. We've got a lot more to talk about today. Uh, don't forget, coming up at the 7 o'clock hour, we're going to have Congressman Hill here, and we're going to have Congressman Westerman here, and we're going to talk about this election that is not over yet and what they see coming. Now, I think we had two more House seats turned towards the Republicans, so we're about 17 seats away from having control of Congress. Hey, don't forget about Millie, uh, Billy Mack. He's the man who owns ICU Protections. I've been telling you about uh, ICU protection for a long time now. These are the guys that, uh, you know, protect Nuke One, and uh, they want to uh, bring their special protection, their abilities, to your house or to your business. I've uh, signed up with them several months now and uh, really am impressed with the, the work that they do. I mean, someone drives up in my driveway on my smartphone, I see who it is. It, it, it lets me know immediately who's on, on my driveway so that uh, I'm aware. And I want to be aware if somebody's coming up on my house. They can do the same thing for your business. You can be closed. You can be at home. Heck, you can be out on the beach in Florida. And, uh, you know, something's going bad inside your business. You'll be notified, by, and a lot of other people will be notified, uh, of what exactly is happening. Remember, all of that video that it records is automatically stored in the cloud so that no one can break in and take your hard drive or whatever, and you have no record of it. You'll always have a record of it that you can present to the, uh, to the police or whomever uh, you need to get it to so they can see what uh, went down. Here's uh, something else that sets uh, Billy Mack and ICU protections, uh, uh, you know, aside here as being the best. Uh, you pay for the service. I mean, everybody expects to pay for the service. I guess there are some people who wish that they could get the service absolutely free, but that's not possible. And uh, you'll pay for the service, but all that hardware they put in your house, all of the, you know, door and window sensors, the indoor, the outdoor cameras, and, and everything else uh, that uh, they put in uh, is yours to keep at no cost. 
you don't pay them a penny. And then I hear some of you already, you're saying to yourself, yeah, what's the price for the monthly service? Probably $30 over what everybody else is. Not true. Not true. Very, very competitive as far as the service cost goes. Just know that Billy Mac doesn't think it's right to charge you for every camera and every sensor. That's ICU protect, uh, uh, yeah, protection. You call them at 501-205-1333. 501-205-1333 and get it set up. Do it today. I, I don't know exactly what went down on 67. I will just tell you as I was coming into work this morning uh, that there had to be 12 uh, highway patrol people, state police, out uh, going that way, and a like-minded number of other local police, probably county police, plus fire trucks, and many ambulances. So I'm not sure uh, how bad the wreck was on 67. If you want to give us a call and tell us, you can let Heidi know, and then she'll let us know uh, here on the show. All you have to do is uh, you know, give us a call. That's uh, 501-823-0965, and uh, tell us you know, what exactly was uh, going down. Some other things that went on last night, as I said, uh, Arkansas can be proud of itself. It uh, returned all the constitutional offices to the Republicans. It uh, uh, returned all of our congressional delegation, both of our senators and all four of our uh, congressmen who are all Republicans. Those were um, sent back. Uh, They defeated issue four which was the issue that I was concerned about because I knew how much money had been thrown up uh, behind that, uh, that whole $13 million. Probably I would say that uh, it was uh, the folks that were fighting against this were outspent probably $12 to every $1 they spent. And uh, when you have that kind of money to throw at an issue, uh, usually you win, but they did not. Uh, they lost, and uh, they lost uh, significantly. And Jerry Cox was right in, in what he said, that uh, the, the industry might want to uh, think again before they try to legalize it here in the state as far as that's concerned. Now, another state that had a big, big, big night, and this is a big night for a state and for an individual, and that was Florida. Uh, In Florida, uh, they had a historic night. Governor Ron DeSantis, Senator Marco Rubio, both beating their Democratic opponents by double digits, including in left-leaning Miami-Dade County, with a majority of uh, precincts now uh, reporting. Should DeSantis hold his 11-point lead in Miami-Dade County, it will represent a massive jump in support from his 2018 gubernatorial run when he lost that county by more than 20 points to Democrat Andrew Gillum. A win in the left-leaning county in his 2022 race would signal that Republicans are on track to dominate statewide in Florida where uh, Democrats were competitive uh, for many, many decades. The National Review writing, for the first time in a long time, 
Republicans didn't just win in Florida. They won big in Florida. And then uh, Ryan Fortner had this to say. uh, The Democrat Party totally collapsed in Florida. Fully red state. So uh, I'm I'm coming up to just a minute before the news. So I want to hold off what I want to talk about uh, until we come back from the news because it's going to be a little bit of of um, some discussion that has to be had. Uh, Next week on the 15th, uh, former President Donald Trump says he is going to uh, have a big announcement. Now, most people are thinking that it's going to be the former president announcing that he's going to run for the Republican nomination again uh, for a president. Um, I don't know if that's the case or not. Uh, I just tell you that that's up there. Uh, they had uh, I've seen a, a couple of shows early this morning uh, where they had uh, you know Trump family members on asked them what's going on. They said they would let their their father or their uh, father-in-law speak for himself. I mean I'm I'm sure Donald sorry talked to him and said don't even say anything. All right, so. We'll have to wait for that, but we're going to come back and talk about 2024 as well when we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you. Let me go back and uh, finish up talking about Florida. Uh, If you have not heard, uh, last night, Ron DeSantis, the governor, was reelected, overwhelmingly reelected by double digits uh, in the race in Florida. He carried uh, Miami and Dade counties, Broward County, all that area down towards the southern tip of Florida went red. That is amazing because in his first run for governor, uh, which he won, of course, uh, he didn't carry the, um, Miami-Dade. He got beat by 20 points in Miami and Dade County. Uh, that was not the case this time. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with uh, DeSantis opening up the state of Florida early, just about before anybody, uh, and uh, getting back to normal business and things in, in that uh, in that state. Uh, his fights that he has uh, gotten into dealing uh, with uh, a lot of issues within the schools and uh, around the children of Floridians. And uh, he has stood firmly uh, for the families of, of, that, of that state. So what does that mean? It means he's a very popular governor. Well, I think it means uh, other things. Um, it will be very, very interesting to see what happens now next week on this, this special, uh, you know, event, this news media, uh, you know, um, occasion. Uh, for for former President Donald Trump. And that is, you know, what does it mean to, uh, you know, President Trump? I think that it, it sets up DeSantis as being very, very competitive uh, in trying to win the Democrat uh, nomination for president in 2024. Now, I, have, I don't have any crystal ball. 
I don't have any friends within his candidate, uh, his, uh, you know, his group of people that are, you know, running his uh, particular uh, candidacy uh, there in the state of Florida, whatnot, and what uh, DeSantis wants to do if he wants to be, you know, in there for two uh, two years and then, uh, you know, uh, run for president. I don't have any insight into that at all. Here's what I do know, and uh, and it seems to me, is that it's going to be interesting to, uh, to see uh, – what the Republican Party wants to do, and the Republican Party is not just a few people, all right? It's millions of people that belong to the party. How do they feel uh, about uh, President uh, Trump? Do they want him to be the uh, the nominee? Now, they've done uh, polling thus far, and the president has been uh, very... Um, you know, open about sharing those numbers, and uh, but there's a couple things that are going on that that concern me, and that's the president saying uh, that uh, DeSantis should think twice about if he's thinking about running for uh, uh, for uh, uh, the nomination because he says there'll be a lot of damage uh, done to him. You know, we don't need those types of of um, threats in, in, in the race for the nomination. I mean, I, I, I've said it before. I guess I'll say it again. I'm a Reagan Republican. And I don't think you try to win by intimidation. Uh, you know, his campaign, some of the lawyers that are working for the president, uh, Trump, uh, they've been trying to warn uh, DeSantis off of thinking about running for president. Um, personally, I kind of think that the more that they threaten him this way, the more he may want to run because he doesn't he doesn't strike me as a uh, individual that will back down uh, because you're going to threaten him. In fact, he might just uh, you know push harder to do what it is that you're trying to convince him not to do. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I'm I'm hoping that the former president doesn't think that getting the nomination to run for president again is his to have and that he, he deserves it uh, because no one deserves it. It's up to the people of the Republican Party, who whether they vote for him or don't vote for him uh, for the nomination. So we'll just have to see how that goes. All right, uh, some big uh, sites uh, in the governor's races that uh, that uh, stayed red. Texas stays red, Abbott wins. Uh, Georgia stays red, Kemp won. And then here in Arkansas, and again, congratulations to uh, Sarah Sanders as she has uh, won the governorship here in Arkansas. First woman to do so. First woman governor in the state of Arkansas. Uh, First, uh, you know, daughter of a Republican governor that has won the governorship. And I think that's maybe one of the first ones in uh, the country. And then uh, first uh, Republican to follow a Republican uh, as... uh, 
um, a governor. Uh, in other words, Asa Hutchinson served two terms, and then Sarah ran and won. So you got back-to-back uh, Republican governors here in the state of, uh, of Arkansas. So my congratulations to her. Uh, she won by um, about, I think, about 20 points, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. In fact, getting the numbers from last night has been kind of a, uh, an interesting proposition, to say the least. All right, now uh, Mayor Scott won re-election last night, and it's going to be interesting to see now how his second term is going to uh, play out because his, the first thing he's going to have to do here in his second term is show up in front of a judge and tell him why he's breaking the law and and why they've uh, they've asked, they've cajoled, uh, they've uh, you know showed him the law and he continues to uh, just dismiss it. Uh, That could be a dangerous route to continue to take. Uh, Especially last night, 74th person was killed here in Little Rock. And and this this, listening to people who uh, are defending him of having this many uh, deaths under his watch you guys can wait. I'll let you talk. I'll let you talk in a minute. We need to take a break. Is that what you want to do? All right. I'm going to keep on talking. We'll come to the break in just a moment. Uh, this this uh, uh, excuse that they're using when you're talking about murders uh, just doesn't play well with me. All right. I've got – I have a, a situation where – uh, you've got a, a mayor who's saying, well, it's not drug killings. You know, it, it's uh, it, it's domestic disputes and things of that nature that people are shooting each other and killing each other. Well, here's what I say to that. Tell that to the dead person and their family. All right. Tell that to the dead person and their family. Do you think it matters to them whether they were shot by a gangbanger or shot by uh, somebody else? I don't think so. They're dead. You're dead. You're dead. Your life's been taken from you. Your ultimate, your ultimate thing that you have, uh, that uh, you know of life. Number one thing that we talk about in the Declaration of Independence has been uh, taken away from you. I don't think it makes a hill of beans of who killed you. Somebody killed you. And, and this mayor has not been able to keep this under under control at all. Um, I'm going to go back, and he made a statement last night that I think is wrong, where he said uh, violent crime is down, down 6%. Uh, not true. And uh, we'll talk about that in a future show. All right, it's quarter till 7. Let's go ahead and get a break in. And then when we come back, uh, we'll finish up this hour. Remember, in the next hour, we're going to have uh, Congressman Hill and Congressman uh, 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 Westerman in the studio with me. And we're going to talk about the election and about uh, the Republicans taking over the House. That looks like it's still a foregone conclusion. And uh, then are we going to be able to to uh, get one extra seat or two extra seats in the Senate? That's still out uh, for debate. So we'll come back. We'll speak more. I want to talk a little bit about Ohio as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 101.1 FM. 
the answer. Don't forget about PI Roofing. PI Roofing now is PI Roofing and Home Solutions. That's because they're doing a whole lot more. They're doing roofs. They're never going to stop doing roofs. Joel Johnson, I think uh, shingles is in his blood, all right? And, uh, and I'm not talking about the shingles that you get as you get older. I'm talking about what you put on your roof because he wants to fix your roof and do it uh, to the best of his and the people that work for him's ability. And if something does go wrong, he'll fix it for you. There'll be no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But here's what else they do now. Uh, you know, you probably have small construction things that you need done in in your home or maybe you're just around your home. And uh, PI Roofing can do that for you now. They'll be happy to come out and do those small construction jobs because the big construction boys, they don't want to deal with the small jobs. They want the big jobs. So, uh, you know, give a call to PI Roofing. 501-707-3115 and uh, talk to them about what it is that you need done around or in your home. You can also visit them online at piroofing.com. All right, back with you. Let's finish it up for this uh, this hour. Again, let me remind you, stick around. We have both of our uh, uh, congressmen, District 2, District 4, uh, Congressman French Hill, Congressman uh, uh, Westerman that are going to join us and we're going to talk about uh, the election. We'll talk about, uh, you know, what's still to come uh, today. Fetterman did win Pennsylvania over Oz, just so you'll know. Uh, in Georgia, the the race between uh, Warnock and uh, Herschel Walker is razor thin. And it looks like what's going to happen is they're going to get into a, a runoff. And that would happen on, I believe, December 6th. Now, the difference between a runoff and uh, the general, like we just had, is that there's nobody else on the on the ticket. You go in and you vote for, you know, the Democrat or you vote for the Republican. And that uh, that might be a tough win uh, for Herschel Walker, but he'll he's he's the candidate. He's the one that ha- will have to do it uh, out in Arizona. Uh, the Democrat leading uh, right now uh, out there, but they had all kinds of problems yesterday. Let me let me tell you, there's going to be all kinds of lawsuits going on in Arizona. How can you have two years? How can how can you have two years of uh, fighting uh, after a, a debacle? in 2020's election and not be ready for it. I, I don't understand how that happens. And and that's exactly what happened in Arizona. A third of their uh, machines went down. How does that happen? Uh, looks like Nevada is going to fall in Lexalt's uh, uh, column. That looks like that will be a pickup for us. So uh, that's kind of where we're sitting right now. Uh, I think we have 202, 203 uh, seats in the House, and uh, there's still probably 55, 56 seats still out there. I'll uh, update my files here in, in a few moments. And uh, when I when I get off uh, here and have about five minutes that I, I've got time, you know, I don't have I don't have staffs like uh, Sean Hannity and and Mark Levin and all the rest that 
people, three, four people working behind them, if not more, and getting them information. Well, we got to try to do it on the fly and do it as we can. All right. I uh, wanted to say b- before we get to the break and uh, news at the top of the hour about Ohio. And that's J.D. Vance won it yesterday, uh, did a, ran a great campaign, won by six, seven points, and uh, he's heading off to the Senate. Uh, Vance is a venture capitalist known for authoring the memoir, Hillbilly Elegy, and was up against Democratic uh, Congressman Tim Ryan for retiring Republican uh, Senator Rob Portman's seat. Vance had the backing of former President Donald Trump, who won Ohio by eight points in 2020. Trump's endorsement was key in Vance getting through a very crowded GOP field in the primary. Uh, Axios saying this, the Vance campaign's emphasis on economic issues and public safety appealed to, you know, people from Ohio, and he won despite supporting hardline anti-abortion views that conflict with the majority of voters who want abortion rights protected. And and I, if you missed the very beginning of the show, I talked a little bit about that, about the Dobbs decision by the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said each state is going to have to determine how they want to run that because it's not in the Constitution. Even Ginsburg said that. I mean, Ginsburg said it was the, it was the thinnest, uh, most ridiculous uh, argument by uh, the Democrats and by the Supreme Court probably almost in their history. And uh, I don't know if she would have voted for Roe v. Wade when it came up. May have voted for Dobbs as well and returned returned it to the states to be argued amongst the people of a particular state and deciding in what they want to do with, uh, with abortion. That's what happened yesterday in Michigan. And the uh, pro-choice people or the pro-abortion people won. So uh, in Michigan, you're going to have uh, a, a state that really not going to have too many rules saying when you can or can't have an abortion, while uh, Ohio and Indiana and uh, other states around them are going to see it in a completely different light. And so if you want an abortion, Michigan would be more than happy for you to come over. In fact, they're already talking about and got people coming back to open up major clinics there so they can do abortions there uh, but won't be able to do it uh, you know again in indiana and uh, ohio and uh, the states that are surrounding michigan wisconsin uh, those those are states that will have more restrictive uh, laws dealing uh, with abortion and that is a way that the supreme court said it should work it should be up to the voters of each state to determine how they want it to be able to uh, press forward uh, dealing uh, with the, that issue. Uh, here in Arkansas, of course, we're restrictive. Uh, Kansas is not going to be restrictive. You can go to Kansas and get an, get an abortion. So these are all things that you got to keep in mind. But the bottom line is I don't want the federal government telling us how we got to do it. We had this argument back in the 70s, and uh, let's hope that uh, we don't have to have it again. I'd rather we didn't have to have it again. It takes a lot of effort. takes a lot of, uh, uh, of uh, you know, steam uh, in your own boiler to make, uh, make the necessary changes, although you can. 
So for you who are uh, pro-choice, pro-abortion here in Arkansas, no. Uh, get the necessary people into the state legislature and uh, you can or get the necessary person as as governor or whatever and you might be able to you know change uh, the policy here in the state but for now arkansas is very very conservative on that and life means a lot to us and uh, we will continue to fight your wanting to change the law all right, we're out of time. I got to get uh, into the news. That's at the top of the hour. And then uh, we should be seeing uh, Congressman Hill and Congressman Westerman in just a few moments here on the seventh floor of the building that we're in. So we'll look forward to them and talking to them about the election. Dave Ellswick Show, 1011 FM, The Answer. Let's get into the 7 o'clock hour. I'm really uh, happy with what we got uh, coming down here during this next uh, 55 minutes. We've got, uh, of course, congratulations on your win last night, uh, Congressman Hill, and uh, you did good. You did good. It's good to have you uh, back in the in the driver's seat there in, in, the, in the House. Well, we want to make sure that uh, thank you for that and uh, proud to have the support of the voters in central Arkansas. Pardon my voice. But we got to find out who else is in that car driving. So were you, like, doing spirit fingers or something last night? <laughs> it's been a lot of talking the last four days. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I bet it has been. Uh, Congressman Westerman is on his way. He'll be joining us here shortly. And uh, I asked both these gentlemen if they would come into the studio today, and they could have very well spent another hour probably in bed or something uh, instead of coming here, but they decided to come on in and talk about the election last night. I would be lying to you if I said that I wasn't uh, somewhat, not even somewhat, very surprised with what happened last night uh, because the, the the voting that I've seen in my lifetime, if you're leading a party that has raised uh, inflation by seven points, uh, food prices by, in some instances, 20 and 25 points, gas prices by over a dollar a gallon at the pump, and a, and a myriad of other stuff, letting the, 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 the border in the South go just absolutely crazy. You didn't stand a chance. 
And last night, I, I watched people – well, I didn't watch them. I watched the returns and wondered what America they were living in. Yeah, it was um, it was a night where um, I think the takeaways are clear. First, uh, Republicans uh, won the House. We will take the majority in the House. Two, I think uh, a vast majority of the American people, you know, are concerned about the Biden agenda. They do put the economy inflation uh, number one. Republicans are trusted on that. But the results are really mixed. We picked up four seats in New York. Yeah. Uh, and that's due to Democratic redistricting. We picked up Miami-Dade, Florida. We crushed in Miami-Dade counties. Uh, we picked up four seats in Florida. We picked up seats in Texas. We may pick up a seat in Connecticut. Um, so it's not – it's hard to call it a red wave, but I expect we'll be in the 220s, and I expect Kevin McCarthy will be the next Speaker of the House. Yeah, I can't wait till I have to watch uh, Pelosi handle the gavel. Yeah, it's going to be a special – I mean, I, I, that's a special time to watch her give the gavel back. Yep, and she'll be uh, in one hand handing the gavel to Kevin McCarthy, and in the other hand, I'm sure, looking at the real estate section in San Francisco for – moving location well she she said evidently this attack that happened against her uh her husband she was thinking about perhaps running again and it sounds like now that she's not going to run again <laughs> she's going to be done well if she ran again but she, it's going to be her daughter that takes over yeah her. well her daughter's teed up for that her uh, mrs pelosi's done everything she can to tee up her daughter to take that seat and um look she needs to retire. She's I officially agree. retired. And, uh, but here's what we have to look forward to. We're going to have a House majority. We don't know where the Senate is as we come together today. But we know Joe Biden turns 80 on November 20th uh, and that Joe Biden's agenda is now stuck in neutral. And if, we're, if we do our job, it'll stay in neutral. If we have moments of Success will reverse course for Joe Biden's bad decisions he's made the last two years. There's so many. I know. I mean, I mean that's the key. There's so many of them. You, well, you outlined some of the top ones. And they don't, you know, the fact that those policy changes were wrong is not changed by the election. If we have 235 Republicans or if we have 225 Republicans, we're still going to be there saying secure our border protect our streets, get our economy strong, quit spending money like drunken sailors, don't regulate or tax the private sector out of existence, and step up and lead, Joe. I mean, uh, how he reacts to that is in his hands. Right. I mean, that's something that you all have got to do is as soon as you take over again next year, uh, you got to let the American people know it ain't business as usual. Right. I think a um, a narrowly divided House and Senate, again, sends that message. We're not resolving problems in America. We're still discussing them. You can say debating them, arguing about them. It doesn't make any difference because the American people reflect uh, – I should say the, the Congress reflects the American people. If you don't see massive shifts one way or the other, that means that people are uncertain – we're still talking about how to secure the border, how to reform the amnesty program. Um, I think President Trump did a lot to strengthen the border. I think he did a lot to strengthen our tax system, our regulatory system. He put America back as a leader, particularly in Middle Eastern affairs, by defeating ISIS, negotiating the Abraham Accords. 
and Biden is where it drift, you know, right now, domestically and internationally. So the election doesn't change that, but we have to to really persuade a majority of Americans on to go back in that right direction and get our get our roots back, get our grounding back. It's for the Republican Party and for conservatives in general. Did Ron DeSantis' overwhelming destruction of the Democratic Party in Florida last night change a lot of people's views towards him about being the head of our ticket in 2024? I think it solidified the views that they see Ron DeSantis as a fighter. And what people like about President Trump is, yes, he adopted the Republican platform. And I phrase it that way basically on purpose. You and I have talked to each other a long time. President Trump adopted the Republican platform's principles, and he fought. Yes, he did. And he does fight. Yeah. People seeing DeSantis, a West Point graduate, a dad, a husband, uh, a a caregiver of a bride who went through cancer while he was on the campaign trail, and a guy who fights for those core values that made our country great. And he wiped out— a successful congressman and former governor, and Marco Rubio. Oh, Marco Rubio uh, had a great night last had night. Had a great night against Val Demings. Who is Val Demings? Leader of impeachment against Trump. Former sheriff down in Orlando County, and a Democrat top pick for president. Mm-hmm. And then we flip Miami Dade, demonstrating that we have a broad coalition in the Hispanic community that's moving Republican. And we did okay in South Texas. We didn't win the ones we wanted to. That was really sad, to be honest. It it was. uh, But that doesn't mean we're not converting Hispanic voters to, well, we're not converting them. We're having their eyes open, their lids awake, their brains awakened that our our views are their views. Well, Cuellar won uh, election down there. He's not your traditional Democrat no. on, he's a pro, on he's border. He's the only last pro-life vote of the Democratic Party in the House. And he's for a secure border. He is. And he's for national security. He's for a strong United States. Uh, he's on appropriations committee, and he's not a big spender per se. But he did vote with Nancy Pelosi an awful lot. Mm-hmm. And we went after him on that. And his constituents are mad at him at that. Uh, people have encouraged him to change parties. And I'll ask him today. I know he wants to listen. He needs to listen to your show every morning. <laughs> Henry, change parties. Yeah, we we can we can do that. Absolutely. All right, seven fifteen. Let's go ahead and get a break in. We're expecting uh, Congressman Westerman any moment, uh, whom I believe will be the new head of the Natural Resources. Uh, Correct. And we're looking forward to that big time. I got my fingers crossed that we get control of the Senate so we can say hi to a new agriculture chairman. Uh, in John Bozeman, who won his election. Again, let me just say, this state did well. We did well. You did, you did exactly what you needed to do to send the message that we don't want anything to do with the Biden administration. And you put some people in positions that will fight Biden. Tim Griffin's going to fight <laughs> the president. There's no doubt about that. Uh, a quickie, a quickie day. Fox and Friends this morning. One of my favorite one-liners about DeSantis and Rubio's big victories in Miami Dade. Mm-hmm. They said, "Gosh, Florida's a lot like Arkansas." Hey, that's good. <laughs> I like that. People are starting to pay attention. Yeah. Um, look at all the power we're going to have as this state goes. 
We got. What? What? Are, where are you going to be? Are you going to be a chairman of a subcommittee or something? I'll be chairman of a subcommittee and uh, work on a couple of other projects in the house. And really looking forward to that. We'll uh, be talking. Um, between now and Christmas, what that portfolio is, but I'm really looking forward to leading on House Financial Services. All right, fantastic. We got uh, more coming your way. Stick with us. Don't forget about East End Towing. No matter what you're stuck on the side of the highway with, maybe it's your family car, maybe it's a, a trailer with a boat on it, perhaps it's your camper, or if you're one of those lucky dogs out there, you got a Class uh, A camper. Uh, and it breaks down, they even got the equipment that's big enough to, to haul it off the side of the road as well and do it well and not do any damage to you. Uh, you call them at 501-888-8849, 501-888-8849. And the folks at East End Towing, they know what your situation is. They can handle it. That's East End Towing. Want to welcome uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman into the studio as well. So let's let you talk for a few moments. I've, I've had uh, uh, Congressman Hill talking a lot, and his voice sounds like it's going to last maybe a half an hour, and then it's going to be gone. <laughs> but with with that said, your take from last night? Well, we're still looking at the the results across the country, but it was a great night in Arkansas. Congratulations to our. First I've, I've, already con- I've convinced. I've already con- congratulated Arkansas, yep. and uh, we just heard Congressman Hill said somebody on Fox and Friends this morning said, "Wow, look at Florida! It looks a lot like Arkansas." Yeah, I, I heard that. I heard that as well. That, that's yep. pretty good, and I got to like that. Well, because, and speaking yeah. of Florida, you know, Governor DeSantis, I think, really did a great job. I think the whole state down there showed how to run an election, and you know how Republicans when they have the right message can win uh, in places where they're maybe not expected to win so kudos to florida and to governor DeSantis. yeah so let me play off of that a little bit let's look at pennsylvania and uh, let's look at arizona and, and a few other states how can you have two years after one of the worst run elections in the history of america and still not be ready yeah. Well, you know, you look back at Florida with the hanging chads and yeah. all that with, with Gore and Bush, and they went in and retooled their they election it. system. Yeah. And, you know, they had results. It's all buttoned up. Everybody feels comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why we, the rest of the country can't learn from that. I think we have good elections in Arkansas, uh, but, uh, you know, something needs to be done to f- fix the problems because it gives people confidence when the the elections are run smoothly and the results are readily available when your largest county of your state has a third of their election machines go down there's a problem yeah it also worries me that the person who's running the elections is also running for governor at the same time yeah um, we'll just we'll have to wait and see what comes out of Arizona. I think we're going to see some good results in the House races there. Good, uh, Eli Crane, I think is going to pull out that um, that victory. And I don't know. Um, I had high hopes for Juan Siscomani, but he's he's behind right now. Uh, but I think we'll at least flip one seat in Arizona and possibly another one. And also out in in Oregon, Lori Chavez Dreamer looks like she's going to win that seat there in the Portland suburb. That's amazing that a Republican can even put their head up without being shot at out in Oregon. I mean, seriously. 
well they had a, a ballot issue to make it much harder to buy a gun in oregon too so uh, <laughs> i think well, there's that, a motivator yeah, yeah i think that drove a lot of people out to the to the polls you know okay. two years ago they legal or decriminalized cocaine all and drugs heroin. About, yeah. yeah just yeah. about everything and now take a look at portland well you got a twofer there because people were saying you're not going to take my guns away and all the democrats were too stoned to vote so <laughs> it, it worked out pretty <laughs> well pretty yeah. good i like that well, I was glad to see marijuana that. go down in Arkansas. It yeah. went down in flames. Yeah. And they outspent the other side because I talked to Jerry Cox several times. And it was like 11 to 1, 11, 12 dollars to every one, which showed at least we know now you can't buy, you know, your way in with something. And the people, if they read the bill, they understood why would you want to vote for a cartel? Yeah. I mean, that's what you had been doing. You would put put a cartel in charge. That's crazy. And put it in the Constitution is even crazier. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. want that to happen. That's that's where the legislature comes in, whom they didn't want to have anything to do with marijuana. Right. So, yeah. get me going on that. I'm sitting here looking at Bruce. <laughs> wouldn't you Wouldn't you have been ticked off if you were still a, a state uh, House member? And you had a, a group of, of businesses that grow marijuana or whatever. It could be in, in any in any business, trucking even. And, and said, you know what? We don't want to even hear from you. You guys don't even have a say in all of this. The people's voices are going to be completely neutered. I would take high offense to that. Well, I, I take offense to it as a citizen, as a congressman for this state. And that's why a lot of us spoke out against the marijuana issue, because we saw it for what it was. And uh, you know, I'm glad that Jerry Cox and others stepped forward and uh, really put a fight up against it, because that's what they're counting on, is raise a lot of money out of state, come in, you know, pay for the signatures on the ballot, get something on there, and run a lot of TV ads and convince people that it's the right thing to do. You know, they were even saying it was going to help law enforcement to legalize pot. There's I'm a glad bit you of a brought that. I'm that going argument. to go out and find out who that guy is from when, and I want to talk to him. I want to know how much he was paid to cut that commercial. That's the only reason I can think. I mean, the fraternal order of police were absolutely against it. No, he's you'll, you'll find that he's a participant in the uh, the business. The business, <laughs> and I'll just echo Bruce. I'm so grateful for our leaders, elected leaders, who spoke up. And help build a broad coalition against Amendment Four, from the from the Catholic bishop to the Farm Bureau. Uh, people stood up across the country to county judges, state legislators, and it was one of the broadest coalitions I've seen. And I think people were shocked. There are two trends. One, I think a lot of people are complacent about these amendments, and they think by magic they're going to get kicked off the ballot. And secondly. Uh, you know, there's a machine out there to do this kind of thing around the country to legalize drugs, mm-hmm. and it's a powerful. Machine. You got the money. There's oh, no doubt the, about that. It's the same group that's trying to change uh, voting in Arkansas. They want to go to a ranked choice system, mm-hmm. uh, which we're again seeing the results of that out in Maine and uh, also Alaska. in Alaska. Yeah. Did we hear anything? What happened in Alaska? Probably it's being de- delivered by. You know, snowshoes, so it might take a while to yeah, get I think there. it's going to be a little while before we... Yeah. Same uh, up in Maine, our yeah. friend Bruce Poliquin, who was elected with us in the same class of 2014, is is back at it 
and uh, he's trailing. But again, it's going to be determined by these ranked choice votes. It's, it's just weird. By the way, something good happened last night because, you know, so many people were upset about the Dobbs decision. Yeah. Look at Michigan. Michiganders decided they want abortion in their state. Indiana doesn't. Wisconsin doesn't. Ohio doesn't. They're all the way around Michigan, all right, as far as that goes. So the people of the different states, this is exactly what the Supreme Court wanted people to do. Decide in your own state how you want to live in your state. Yeah, there's something like the, the Tenth Amendment, I believe, that yeah. kind of talks about that. Dave. Absolutely. We talk about that a lot. Yeah. You know, all the time we talk about that. That's where it should be decided, and it's being it, – it was decided. So you all take over the House. You know, we don't have to worry about Biden and I'm going to codify yeah. Roe v. Wade. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, this is – the hypocrisy around this issue is has been stunning, uh, and – they ran a campaign on it. No, you better believe I it. don't know. You know, it would be very interesting to study the aftermath to see what impact that had. And, uh, Bruce, I don't know what your thoughts are about that. I did, I'd never heard that as an issue, but we're in red Arkansas that Florida is right. attempting to emulate. Mm-hmm. So I'm not in a swing environment. But you've traveled the country during the campaign. Talk about that. Yeah. I, I think it wasn't as big of an issue in a lot of the the blue states. Uh, because they already had, or they had no laws restricting abortion in those states. You you saw what happened in in Michigan, where they I guess they passed that law last night, yep. uh, not to restrict it. Um, but I think when people understood what the Supreme Court did, that it wasn't as big of an issue. Although the National Democratic Party tried to make it yeah. a big issue, and they're trying to nationalize that, um, but it. It, you know, it really makes you wonder how they could take that issue and try to supplant the disastrous policies they've had for the economy, um, how that would override high gas prices, high food prices, and crime, uh, crime the, uh, uh, the decline in our national security and national standing. Um, i got to hold you. got to take a break. All right, Bill O'Reilly wants to talk. So i got to let Bill O'Reilly talk a little bit here. We'll be back. Congressman Hill, Congressman Westerman here in the studio with us on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back All with right. you, Dave Ellswick Show. we got uh, Congressman Hill here. We have Congressman Westerman here. Uh, so how – look, you only have to have a, a one-person majority. And that's as good as having all the seats in the, of, the, of the House, kind of. I mean, you still got all the power, correct? C- correct until it comes to voting on the floor. Okay, and I get that. You've got to get everybody uh, marching to the same beat. Yeah. So, uh, you are, know, the bigger are, the majority you have, the more of your agenda you can push uh, across the House floor. So, are Republicans like herding cats, and Democrats are like herding dogs? I mean, because dogs will listen to you once in a while. Well, she feeds the dogs, and she puts down little pails of water for them, and then she will beat the tar out of them when they uh, step out of line. And uh, uh, we are in the cat business over in the Republican Party. She had an eight-seat majority, so she could only lose four on the floor. Mm-hmm. And we beat her a few times, actually, in the last two right. years. And she had trouble. She had to pull down her own bills. This is 
inside baseball. She lost funding for Israel one day because of the crazy caucus over there. So um, we want a Speaker McCarthy to have as broad a uh, number of votes to work with. but, look, he's done a good job trying to find consensus with Republicans on what we want to move forward. I think the challenge is for Bruce, and Bruce was the chair of the Budget Committee here in the in the House, mm-hmm. served in the Budget Committee in, in, the, in the House, uh, the U.S. House. I think our challenge will be finding consensus on moving a budget forward in a Biden administration, and it's going to be challenging. Yeah, it, it will be challenging. You know, when I was in the uh, state legislature, we had a one-seat a majority yep. and i was the majority leader and i know how challenging that can be so uh, the the good thing is is the majority party determines what bills actually get on the floor so yeah and what bills get heard in committee uh and i've said all along our biggest role in the majority regardless of how big of the majority it is is to have oversight over this administration we'll still be able to do that uh, to invite administration officials to come over to the house and frequently. sit down so frequently. And yeah. yeah. How about subpoena them to come visit if, you if needed? We can do that too. Yep. All right. But yeah, I'm 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 excited about what the future is going to hold as far as this, and we need you all in the house now. Can you guys stop the eighty-five thousand IRS agents from coming on? We can. We can write the bill to do that. Uh, if we get the Senate, uh, we could have more clout in using budget reconciliation. You still got Joe Biden at the White House to sign a bill or veto a bill. And with a divided Congress, it would be hard to override a veto. Right. But uh, the appropriations process allows us ways to do amendments, move that money around. And, and, and Kevin McCarthy has said one of our first measures will be to – uh, we ought to put those people in, in the federal government working somewhere else. Like, hey, how about on the border? <laughs> yeah, that's a good place for yeah. it. Yeah, he said that'll through. be the first thing we vote on on the House floor is to uh, do away with the 85,000 new IRS agents. Well, I want them gone. I, I don't want them this is gonna knocking be on my door. Real burden on self-employed people. And they're going to come after that $600 moving in and out of your bank account by Venmo or Zelle. And they're going to have these agents look for pass-through entities. They're going to look for agents that are going to look for cash. And I call it the babysitter tax. I thought they were only going after the billionaires. The That's friends. what I heard. Yeah, you know, it's so weird. I told, I told you know, uh, Janet Yellen's people, I said, if you're looking after billionaires, hell, Forbes magazine puts a list of 400 of them in the magazine. <laughs> it doesn't take any work to go find them. Right. And yeah, uh, at that rate, that'd be several thousand IRS agents per billionaire, wouldn't it? It would. It would. You know. Um, anyway, look, this is a completely flabbergasting idea that that Biden's come up with, and we're going to take on those every day, using all of our tools: oversight, subpoena, hearings, uh, witnesses, excellent alternatives. We're going to put up legislative alternatives. We're going to ask our Democratic colleagues, hey, we saw what you did the last two years. We think this is a better idea. Come vote with us. Um, that's what we can do. But we're going to, to, you know, to use a basketball analogy, we're, the Biden agenda is now checked. Mm-hmm. Does this unleash a few of the Democrats to, to vote with you without worrying about getting beat senseless by you know, Pelosi and her machine over there? I think that's yet to be determined. I, I really think 
if we end up with the majority that Pelosi will retire. I don't think she'll be there. So that raises question, who's going to be the the minority leader in the Democrat Party? What kind of approach are they going to take? Um, a lot of that's yet to be seen. But, you know, if I look at our delegation in Arkansas, you know, I'm really blessed to serve with the group that we've got. I guess you'll be a subcommittee chairman, and Rick will be a subcommittee chairman on either TNI or um, Ag, right? Ag, and he, you know, he's also on uh, intelligence committee. And then you got Womack would be a cardinal appropriations. He'll be a, the financial services, treasury, IRS appropriations oh. subcommittee chairman. And then we're so excited. That's why we just we're come on now. We're praying for the Senate because we'd put John Bozeman as our chairman of the Ag Committee. And I keep pointing that out to people. You think for a moment, three million people in the state of Arkansas, and literally, this would be going back to the Johnson era when we had the same kind of power for this state, but it was from the Democrat Party. Yeah. Well, this is a farm bill year for us. It's a place where the Biden administration and House Republicans be, could get on the same page uh, with help from the Democrats uh, to pass a, a good farm bill. Our farmers are hurting right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a place where while our, our conservation programs are done, which is Bruce's area in the House. So having John Bozeman there as a leader, a sensible leader, mm-hmm. and not preempt the process. We had a good highway bill last Congress. And Nancy Pelosi threw it over the ship in place of a Senate-written BIF, bipartisan infrastructure bill, which just funds urban priorities. It doesn't help Arkansas. Yeah, well, and if there's a highlight about that is, as we told a lot of our Democrat colleagues, with the reg- regulatory environment, nobody can get anything done with all that money that was put out there anyhow. So you're seeing a few, few small projects, but there are billions and billions of dollars in a lot of agencies that have been pushed out with this Democrat-controlled Congress uh, that are yet to be spent. Maybe you can talk to this uh, uh, Congressman Hill, and that is, what kind of bills are sitting on the desk of Nancy Pelosi have not seen the light of day that were put up by Republicans? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, there's a big list, I'm I'm sure. uh, I mean, that's... Let's think about that a second, Bruce. I mean, pick one. Pick yeah. one in your area. Well, and we've got one called the Transparency and Productivity of American Energy, or the TAP American Energy yep. Act. It would streamline permitting. That would open up pipelines. Uh, that would force the Department of Interior to issue leases and permits on federal lands and offshore water. Uh, would make it easier to build and expand refineries. Would make it easier to build uh renewable energy plants uh so you know that that bill would just get dusty and never see the light of day under nancy pelosi but it's something that we should be able to pass out of the committee or committees it's got multiple committee jurisdictions and hopefully pass it off of the floor yeah and that gives us a chance of maybe unshackling our energy uh, that we've got here under the ground in this country exactly and we've, we've got a similar bill on mining. You know, the, the Democrats have shut down mining in, the, in our country, which makes us more dependent on Chinese supply chains. Uh, so there, there's, uh, there's no end of good legislation that we've written uh, that just, you know, it never sees the light of day with the Democrat majority. All right. All right. We'll take a final break. We'll come back. We'll finish it up. 
We've got Congressman Hill and Congressman Westerman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Pat Davis and what Pat wants you to be able to do. He wants to get in there and take care of you as far as your health insurance goes. They will custom build your health plan for you. Not for, here, we're going to give you a health plan that this amount of people are using. No, this is for you. No government-controlled subsidies needed that are crazy and ultimately are going to end up going away. You can't keep on spending the money the way they are uh, in Washington, D.C., and giving people stipends uh, for their health care. Private health plans that will pay you to go see the doctor. Yeah, pay you. Not somebody else. Pay you. And uh, also uh, available year-round. What does it mean also? It means that the middlemen won't be robbing you blind, and money that should be coming to you goes to some insurance lackey. You want to stop that as well. So uh, let your the health plan man take care of you, bring you a change that you're going to love, get rid of co-pays, reduce uh, the, uh, the other money you got to pay before you can even get the insurance to do what they're supposed to do, and uh, stop getting ripped off by the health care industry. All you got to do is call or text them, 501-605-6935. That's uh, 501-605-6935, or visit them online, yourhealthplanman.com. We were just sitting here talking about uh, you get into some of these races in different parts of the country, and 50-50 votes are determined in totally different ways. I didn't realize, and I had Roby Brock on uh, last week, and I didn't realize that as far as the mayor's race went, it was a 40% thing. If you, if you got 40% of the vote, uh, you were the winner unless both of you got 40%. And then at that point, they went to the votes. Right. And uh, to see. And that's what I saw about issue three. Issue three was basically a 50-50 split. But I think that the issue itself got more votes than the against. So I don't know where that stands right now. I know I have to call Jerry, have him explain it to me, <laughs> what's going on. I, look, I'm not, I don't know every rule about uh, the elections in this state or in any other state. I have a hard enough time keeping up what's going on here in Arkansas. It can be complicated, uh, but that's, you know, supposed to be carried out by the states. So, um, you know, as much as we might not like what the way one another state does it, that's still abiding by the constitution that's the constitution i'm I'm willing to abide by that my problem is is that the other side doesn't they don't abide by the constitution they look for everything to get around the constitution yeah we've talked about before how nancy pelosi's top priority the hr1 and in this current congress was to federalize elections Boy, we put that off for a while at least. And don't think that just because it's been beat back right now, it won't come back because it will come back. You know, this is what they want yeah, to they, do. They, they're looking at the long game on it. They sure are. Absolutely are. Start socializing it and yeah. then, you know, try to make it more acceptable. We've seen that happen with a lot of things in our country. I think people are a little bit more hesitant to cut government spending now. Because they got checks that they kind of like getting those checks. I've always said you start giving people money, they won't vote against getting money. Well, we've never given people money like we've given money during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jefferson may be freaking out right now. 
people voting money out of the treasury oh lord have mercy he said that's when it all would fall apart but look the budget condition in the united states is the worst it's been since the end of world war ii and we fought no war i mean you can say we fought a public health war against the pandemic mm-hmm. and that's a legitimate comment but <laughs> we've returned to our employment and now we've got to return back to our pre-pandemic battles about spending i mean joe biden's on track to have a trillion three trillion four deficit next year and his budget projects trillion dollar deficits for 10 years so this idea that we used to have a consensus between republicans and democrats that balanced budgets were the goal how to get there was the fight Mm -hmm. and that the smallest deficit's the best deficit well that's just been abandoned well, yeah. That's been a bad – we have a budget committee chairman under Nancy Pelosi that believes that there is no limit to the amount of money you can borrow and spend as long as you, quote, spend it in America. That's a true Keynesian if I've ever heard one. <laughs> it's a true cuckoo bird. Yeah. It's the modern monetary theory. Whenever you put the word theory and modern together, you know you're going to go down. <laughs> and, and, and it makes it scary when monetary is attached to that. <laughs> yeah, you're right, because so, they've been spending money like drunken sailors, and I apologize to drunken sailors. Exactly. And, uh, you know, one thing Republicans and the majority, I think, have to do is pass a budget uh, and do it through regular order, put them on the floor and vote for them, and then work on those 12 appropriation bills. And I, I hope we stick to our guns on that, that uh, we, whether it's Republicans or Democrats gain control of the Senate, that we stand strong behind the appropriation bills and and don't give in to what we're getting ready to have to deal with in the lame duck this massive omnibus bill that you know people are trying to put everything uh imaginable into the omnibus bill they're trying to put everything imaginable into the defense authorization yes Act they are because it's a must-pass bill so i'm, I'm sitting here and, lo- and hearing what you're saying uh what what's it going to be like unless you guys get control of of the house which it looks like that's going to happen i think you said the latest you heard was 207 now we need 218 right. and a little bit above i hope wow. uh then you got uh, the senate the senate is really up in for grabs right now who knows what's going to happen there but how do you control these folks that are going to be leaving in january to keep i mean how do you keep pelosi under control in the next couple of months well, on top of that, she gets to vote by proxy. They don't even have to come back to Washington to be their lame duck quacking vote. They wow. can sit at home or sit out on their terrace and vote by proxy, which is why I've been so opposed to proxy voting. And, and she, she, she'll have the mentality that she's entitled to something on her way out, like a, a parting gift. The uh, yeah, how about she, a kick in the butt? Yeah, and don't let the door hit you in the, in yeah, the rear end exactly on the way out. Right. Absolutely. Well, this next month, spending runs out, I think, 16 December. Is that right, Bruce? Yeah. And so we could have the fight of next year, this year, in theory. I'd much rather have it next year. You know, the the Build Back Beijing bill, uh, Pelosi had a <laughs> – she had a line item in there, $250 million. Um, I forget the name of that park that her house is by out in San Francisco. The Presidio. The Presidio. Yeah, Presidio Park. <laughs> And yeah, when it was a military base, it was an all right thing. But now it's not a military base. Anymore. Well, we we checked. Uh, you're you're in several billion dollars to buy a, uh, or several million dollars to buy a home out there, 
uh, to live with your billionaire neighbors, but they needed 250 million taxpayer dollars to, I guess, to do a little improvement on the golf course. Now, let me tell you what I've been to Presidio when I was in the military, and it was beautiful then. I can only imagine what it's looking like now. But we, you know, we brought place. this up as an issue, and it's and, a homeless camp now. Yeah. yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, maybe they're going to put a, more tents out there. God. Incredible. Incredible. Guys, I, I, I'll i let you go. I know that you've got things to do. and Thanks for your voice. You Thanks for thinking. having us today. Yeah. I love having you on. And I, I just uh, – there are people who haven't told them yet, but we're going to bring back the uh, the luncheons again next year, and we'll have them both. They used to do the Hill and Westerman show, so we'll bring we'll them back. back in. We'll bring them back well, in It's, to it's do great it. to be in studio with, with you, Dave, and with French and – uh, you know, look each other in the eye while we're talking. It beats yeah, the uh, beats the, the AirPods. Phone, yeah, yeah, definitely beats the being there. I uh, I I will be in in D.C. again when CPAC happens in March, so I'll be back for that. Hopefully, you guys will be able to come over and and visit. I I hear that we're going to be back at uh, across the bay, across the river. Yeah. There is where we're going to be at. So I look forward to that. But uh, you guys keep you know fighting the fight. I know it's been tough the last two years to go to work every day, and you got great ideas and nobody will listen to you, yep. except people that have the same ideas that you have. That's when we come talk on your radio show. <laughs> <laughs> this is cheaper than therapy. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank you very much. Thank I appreciate you, you being here. We'll talk to you guys later. Uh, Congressman Hill, Congressman Westerman, giving us the time here an hour today on the Dave Ellswick Show. So nice of him to do that. Let's take our break. we got news coming up top of the hour. I got a hold of Robert Steinbach. He's going to join me by phone, and we'll talk about our postmortem of what went down. I'm just saying, it went down the way it was supposed to go down here in Arkansas. It absolutely did. Perfectly orchestrated here in or- uh, in Arkansas. And as I said in Fox, Florida's starting to look like Arkansas. All right, a break. I'll be back. Into the final hour we go for a Wednesday, hump day, middle of the weekday, over to Hill Day, closer to Friday than we were on Monday day here at Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, let me just real quickly tell you that tomorrow going to have a great show for you. Scott Hoganson going to be on with us at 635, so uh, be with us early. And uh, he uh, wrote a column piece that I wanted to have him on to talk about. I think you'll find it really interesting about uh, 
he goes back on a Mo- uh, Patrick Moynihan column that was written many years ago about the downward movement towards deviancy uh, here in the country. And uh, Hogerson talks about that and talks about where we're at now. So we'll see what he has to say to us. Duck uh, and Joe will be with us. Now, Joe will be talking about uh, what he learned out in Vegas at this big meeting of uh, auto manufacturers and parts manufacturers and whatnot. What's, what's coming our way as far as cars? He'll bring us up to date on that. And then Jimmy will be with us in the final hour. We'll talk about uh, a lot of the races that are going on uh, and that are over now that Scott got reelected as a a mayor, but is going to have to appear in front of the judge because he's still not doing what he's supposed to do about, uh, you know, FOI uh, types of things, Freedom of Information uh, Act Situation. So, with that uh, said, be with me tomorrow. But right now, stay with me because I got Robert Steinbach on, and of course, he is a, a law professor over at the uh, law school here in Little Rock. And his opinions are his and his alone, and not necessarily that of the school. So, let me get your analysis of the election thus far uh, that we're looking at. Uh, uh, Robert, is it good? Is it bad? Is it what is it? Well, it's not great in the sense that there was no red wave. And we wanted a red wave and generally thought there would be at least somewhat of a red wave. But I think it's fair to say there wasn't a red wave. It's not that Republicans didn't win important seats. They did. Uh, But that's not a wave. That's just success. Red wave suggests something overwhelming, and there was nothing overwhelming about the Republican successes. All the seats we expected to go Republican, all the constitutional offices, for example, in uh, Arkansas, all the federal seats uh, in Arkansas uh, went Republican, as was fully expected to go. So nothing uh, surprising there. Uh, we didn't see any positive change for mayor. We've got the same King Scott now for another four years. That's going to just produce more deaths coupled with the incompetent sheriff uh, who's just going to allow more people to get killed. Uh, and so uh, that's a real tragedy, and we didn't see any conservative wave there. And uh, what I would have thought, and many of us would have thought, that this level of crime that we haven't seen since the 90s would have had some impact, particularly on swing voters. Uh, and perhaps it had some impact, but not enough. Yeah, and That's really what matters in the end of the day. Perhaps there weren't that many swing voters. That, that, that could very well be the case. Uh, we saw um, some candidates who were middle-of-the-road Republicans um, not do particularly well, and that's not surprising because it, unless you stand out uh, as having true values, uh, you're not going to distinguish yourself from Democrats running. And so uh, when choosing between a Democrat and a Democrat light, uh, certainly the Democrats are going to choose a Democrat, but the independents tend to swing towards the candidate that seems to have more convictions. Uh, And so you're going to lose the independents there. And then the Republicans... uh, 
some Republicans will undervote because they just don't care about either candidate. And so that's why you see Democrats win when a Republican could potentially win if he was a strong, he or she was a strong candidate. Um, and um, I'm trying to think what other particular offices uh, come to mind. Um, well, uh, as I think about it and we discuss it, uh, I'll, I'll let yeah, you know. Yeah, you just bring it up. I mean, yeah, look, right. the way it's looking right now, uh, I, I just had Congressman Hill, Congressman Westerman in the studio Great. and getting their thoughts about, well, uh, well, you know, kind of like what you just said. I mean, I, I was a little bit uh, stunned by how many people uh, I think did not go to the polls. I don't believe a lot of Republicans went to the polls yesterday because we lost so many races razor thin. That that's mm-hmm. what tells me perhaps in our party people didn't go, and I don't I don't think that they understand how important it was, evidently for them to go uh, to the polls last night. Interesting thing said today on Fox and Friends, uh, they were talking about the huge win by uh, Governor DeSantis in uh, mm-hmm. uh, in Florida. I mean, he took he took. The, the date and he took uh you know all those big blue counties down the, to the south and turned them red that's huge so did uh, and rubio did too that's another big thing there's not one uh big uh democrat in the state of uh florida anymore and here's what they said florida is as red as arkansas now well, and, and, but it also gives proof to my claim just a moment ago, which is if you're a Republican, trying to run in the middle is not a good strategy. Oh, look, I'm only slightly different than the Democrats, so vote for me. Yeah, I don't like that. I want you to yeah, stand up for what what our uh, you know our 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 whole schmear is. I mean, we're for life. We're for smaller government. We should be out there telling people that and why that's important. And, and here's the thing. So some people say, well, that doesn't make any sense because obviously you'll capture all the people on the right and then you'll get some of the people in the middle who are crossover from the left. It's not how it actually works. And by the way, we've known this now for decades. This is not new. Yeah. In the 70s, everybody thought you run to the middle because it's a bell curve and that's where most of the people are. But it's not how it works because here's the phenomenon that they don't seem to recognize. First of all, some people just won't bother voting. It's like, well, there are two same uh, uh, left of center moderate candidates. I'm not going to vote for either one of them. You're going to get undervotes and you're going to get people not even showing up to vote. But they also don't account for the independent voter. The independent voter has a split in terms of their preferences. On some issues, they tend to be left of center and on some issues, they tend to be right of center. And the woke turns off some of those independent voters. So if you are an appealing, strong conservative, that independent voter will say, well, okay, I disagree with you on these two issues. But on these other two issues, like your opposition to this woke leftism, I really like that. So since I don't like the the guy on the left for those two issues, and he's kind of wishy-washy, and the guy on the right is strong on these two issues, even though I dislike him on two other issues, I'm going to vote for the guy on the right. And that's the problem with this running to the middle of uh, of the pack strategy. It is a losing strategy. Yeah, and I, I I don't disagree with you about that is all. DeSantis showed that last night. Yeah. 
That's what he showed, exactly. and so did Rubio. And so I did mean, Rubio. That's they, my point. Exactly. They totally, totally ran a very strong campaign on Republican values, not on right. Republican light values. That's exactly right. And I'm, you know, I'm all, and we showed the same thing here in Arkansas. All the people got elected oh, yeah. last night on the, um, you know, for the constitutional offices are strong Republicans. That's right. That's right. Now, uh, what is somewhat disappointing is if you look at the four issues on the ballot, there the vote is inconsistent. What, by that, I mean, if you have a political value that's conservative, you should have voted for at least some of them and against some of the others. And so far, with one on the margin that we still have to wait and see, that's issue three, by the way, and I'll come back to that, uh, they all are on the failing side, including yes. issue three, but by a very small number, So, and we don't have all the votes in. Um, so issue one was whether or not the legislature can call itself back in. So I think the reason that lost was because people were told, well, that's big government. Well, it's not big government. It's only it's it's a debate between who has more power, the governor or the legislature. And people who are against big government should want the legislature to have more power because it's more diffuse. It more represents the people. Uh, And so uh, that's not a big or small government. It's a who in government has power. Uh, And so Republicans should have voted more for that. They didn't. Well, it seems to me they didn't understand that number one was saying that the legislature should have the same power as what the governor has since they speak for the people. That's right. That's right. I think that's exactly right. Uh, The second issue was about whether we should have a higher vote threshold for both uh, citizen-initiated statutes and constitutional amendments. That tends to be, um, uh, well, I was against it largely because of the citizen-initiated statute issue, but most conservatives said they were for it, and yet it failed significantly. Um, So what's going on there, particularly when you compare that with issue number one, there's an inconsistency. Issue number three was decidedly pro-conservative, and it's right on the margin now, and I'll tell you why it's right on the margin. Uh, Not because of the liberals, because there were a bunch of conservatives that came out, including people that were debating me on Facebook, saying, well, we know what the Constitution says, and it's, it's all well and good, just how it is. Have you ever been in court? Have you ever litigated a case? Well, I read the Constitution. I know what it says. Guess what, Joe Sixpack? Uh, nobody cares what you have to say sitting in your basement when we get into court. We care what you say in the sense that you're a citizen and you're entitled to vote. But you don't. your opinion in court doesn't hold any weight. What holds weight? The words of the statutes, the words of the Constitution in this uh, uh, respect, and critically, Judicial precedent, and they entirely uh, ignored judicial precedent. Well, they tend they tend to do that, uh, you know, right. Robert. I mean, I've heard it for years now. Well, I don't care what they said about that. We need right. to get rid of that. Well, they're not going to get rid of that, right? It's it, it's not how the system operates. Well, we got to get rid of the judges and the lawyers. Okay, I'll make you a deal. Enact this, and when you get rid of all the judges and the lawyers, we can repeal the thing that you don't like. But we operate through judges and lawyers. When you get arrested, who do you go before? The guy in his basement or the judge? The judge. 
So he makes the call. I'm not trying to put down the guy in the basement. I'm trying to draw sort of a visual contrast, which is I'm the guy in the basement too, by the way. Well, I'm a lawyer, so I show up in court. But when it comes to deciding these issues, I don't have any more power than the guy in his basement. I'm sitting right now in my basement. Uh, So the point is that having an opinion doesn't affect the outcome. You have to be in a position to affect the outcome, and that's what judges do. So when you say the judge's opinions don't matter, actually those are the only opinions that matter when you get to court because the judge is literally the decider of the case. All so, right. I, I want you to hold your hold yeah. your thought. Yeah. We've got to get a break yeah. in. We'll come yeah. back, let you finish up on three, and then we can. you and I both can dance a little bit because we saw issue four get just trounced into the ground. All right, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry over at uh, 3000 Cavanaugh, my good friend Eric Coleman, and he'll be on here in a couple of weeks because you got to get ready for Christmas and you need to hear what he has to say about all of you guys out there who typically buy jewelry for uh, the Christmas, how to save money. He'll save you money. If you're a guy and you're wanting to get married, you're going to you know, propose to a young lady. You know she's going to say yes. So you want to get her that engagement ring. He'll save you 20% on that at least over all the other jewelry stores. So save money. Get a great artisan like Eric Coleman to design something unique for you. But if you're going to do that, you need to do it now because he's really filled up right now. I don't know if he could even take you right now. Just so many people have called him about this. Uh, They're open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6, at 3000 Cavanaugh. Stop by and visit with him, all right? Don't call him. Stop by and visit with him. He's there all the time when they're open, uh, Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. That's Eric Coleman, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. All right, Dave Ellswick Show. Dave Ellswick with you. Also joining me by phone, Robert Steinbach. We've been uh, kind of mulling over what happened last night. We were going over the issues here in Arkansas. One, two, and uh, basically three uh, we're getting on, although three still has a very good chance of passing, uh, Robert, because it seems to me I saw just a few moments ago that they were leading in the vote count and both sides, four or against, are over the 50% mark. Well, how can both sides be over 50% mark? Well, that's a good question, too. So we'll, we'll, have okay. to, well, we'll, we'll see what we'll see what they have to say. Right, right. Um, but the uh, yeah, it's right on the margin. Last time I looked at it as well, <clears throat> and it's really unfortunate because there was misinformation, as I said, being spread about how law actually operates. And here's the thing: <clears throat> if you feel ill uh, and you're at home, you know you, you you rest, you take some chicken soup, as they say, some orange juice and you start to feel better and everything is good. But if you don't, eventually you go to the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. You say, hey, doc, I have been unable to resolve this on my own. I'm not a moron. I'm perfectly capable. Indeed, I'm intelligent. And so I can address the basics. But when it gets to the nitty-gritty expertise, that I didn't become a doctor, so I'm coming to the professional. And unfortunately, too many folks out there think they perfectly well understand the intricacies of constitutional law and interpretation. And without a sense of hubris, I'm uh, nonetheless willing to say that they often don't, and they should at least consult with people who do this regularly. And they, rather than doing that, 
they uh, rebuffed them. They said, you don't know how this actually works. And that's silly. That doesn't mean you have to take every recommendation from a doctor and doesn't mean you have to take every recommendation from a lawyer. But they need kind of a good reason to reject their recommendation, not simply because you know better. And that's what I think happened here, Um, meaning that's why we're on the margin. Hopefully we'll still win. But this undoubtedly is a pro-religious freedom protection amendment. And so it's really unfortunate uh, that we're so close down to the wire. And then on the fourth item, we see a very conservative outcome. Again, another contrast, right? Three should be a conservative outcome, but there was misinformation. One should be a conservative uh, outcome, but people sort of were rejecting government and thought it was increasing governmental power when that's not what it was doing. Two was probably more conservative than not, even though I opposed it, but to be fair, more conservative than not, and that failed. And yet four uh, was very liberal, and that failed, meaning the conservative vote prevailed. Yeah, it not only failed, it got blown out of the water. That's exactly right. So we see very inconsistent votes across the board, across the different issues, and that's very unfortunate, because that means that... In different, in each of the issues, for different reasons, misinformation um, had an effect on the outcome. Yeah, I agree with you. I want to get into uh, the discussion about Dobbs here in just a yeah. moment, uh, but because what the Supreme Court did in the Dobbs decision played out last night in Michigan, and and I want to talk about that, yeah. and uh, I think it's important that people understand uh, that they didn't make. Uh, abortion illegal across the United States. That's exactly what they didn't want to do. They didn't want to make it illegal, and they didn't want to make it legal. They wanted to let the states decide. And last night we saw some of that movement going on, uh, you know, at at the polls. So we'll talk about that in a moment. I I think the Supreme Court was right on the button, and it, I know there's a lot of people that are still ticked off about that decision. You know what I think? I think it was the exact right decision. And I think if Ginsburg had been alive, I think she would have agreed that it was the right decision as well. She always thought Roe v. Wade was made up law, basically. I mean, she she basically said that. Uh, And then, you know, we we get a little further into this. Let's talk about uh, Arkansas. I mean, we're the red of the red. We're ruby red here in the state of Arkansas. Let's talk about that and what you think about what that's going to do here for uh, the the folks in the the legislature who will be meeting on January 9th. And uh, then I want to talk a little bit about former President Trump. I'm not happy with him. I'll explain why that is. And I'm a big Trump supporter. Man, the biggest. Yeah, I mean, you 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 look on when I was when I was online, and we're going to get back online again. Uh, when you looked in my studio, I had a stand up of the president. He was in here, and I got That's all right. kind got all kinds of guff from the left because of that. But the bottom line is, I stood firmly behind Trump. But there's some things that he's doing here lately that is starting to concern me, and I'll bring that up with you uh, when we come back. But we've got to get some news in. That's uh, necessary here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me remind everybody, uh, Robert, that uh, of course uh, tomorrow is going to be a special day. I still have a good possibility. I'm waiting for a call that Dick Morris will join us at 6 o'clock. Uh, and uh, we want to we want to hear his analysis of, of what went down. Um, I want to know why uh, 
uh, Arizona had so many problems yesterday in Maricopa County because that county is the sixth largest county in the United States. I don't know if people know that. Over four, over, over four million people. And they had a third of their voting machines go down. All right, so let's look at uh, a story that they're not doing a whole lot on on any of the TV stations, and and that's uh, abortion. Here's what they say about abortion. It may have played a, a, a role in very close races, but that's where it stops. There's more to this now than just that. Uh, story out about what happened in Michigan. Let me give you some background information. Uh, of course, I've, I've got my buddy here, uh, Robert uh, Steinbach. He's a, a, a lawyer, or he's a lawyer and he's a, 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 a professor. professor. Oh, I get it right. I just, I just said, I've been up too long, Robert. Uh, first day with the new words, right? Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> I wanted to have him on today to talk about this. But remember, it's his opinion and his opinion alone does not uh, mean that that's how the school feels as well. That's just a disclaimer that we always yeah. do. All I right. Appreciate it. Uh, Michigan voters, after an expensive, intense campaign, approved a sweeping amendment to their state's constitution guaranteeing the right to abortion and other reproductive health services. That's all I got to read of that story. That is exactly was what was supposed to happen when the Supreme Court brought us the Dobbs decision. Is that not correct? I think that is a fair statement, but we do have to put a caveat in. Meaning the Supreme Court said nothing about what the states can do, and they never uh, could say what the states can do because they are saying there is no constitutional right to an abortion. Mm-hmm. There's not, they're not saying the opposite, which there is a constitutional prohibition on abortion. That's, That's correct. A different statement. So they said nothing about what the states can do. The one caveat I do need to share, because I think it's fair to do so, and I, of course, know that you're not suggesting otherwise, is that I still think it's an open question whether the U.S. Congress can pass a law banning abortion nationwide. I don't think they can. I think it'll go right back to the Supreme Court and they'll strike it down. There's something to be said for that, right? Because they need a basis. What would be the basis for doing so uh, now that we have properly uh, returned to limitate to limiting rather the Commerce Clause, which had been abused for years as a source for federal power? Mm-hmm. So what would be the authority, the power to regulate that behavior? And so that's unclear. Uh, but that issue sort of still floats out there. Yeah. I, and I I agree with you on that. Yeah. However, I think that if we look at the thought process of the uh, Supreme Court in the Dobbs decision, uh, this is exactly where they wanted it to be. It was decided by the people of Michigan. And you know what? I don't like it. I don't like that they did it. But they have the right to do it. And, of course, that's the difference on a grander scale between conservatives and liberals in modern day. Conservatives say, well, if we lost, we, of course, don't like the outcome. We're not going to pretend we like the outcome, but okay, that's democracy. And we actually value peaceful democracy over um, trying to overthrow government. Yes. Uh, And the left doesn't think that way. 
right? The left undermines the legitimacy of government uh, when they don't like it, right? And so they want to defund the police. Defund the police, really, right? Or you have uh, in Georgia uh, Stacey Abrams uh, undermining the election integrity. You had Hillary Clinton undermining election integrity. That's the irony because they accused Donald Trump of doing that of course. in the first election I'm talking about. The second election, uh, meaning what's going on sort of today and what you're going to get to is a slightly different picture. Um, but in the first election, uh, it was Donald Trump who uh, stood by the election results, not Hillary Clinton, who e- ever since she lost was seeking to undermine the results. Yeah, no doubt about it. There's no look. There's there's countless, countless uh, Democrats that have challenged uh, the the election results. Countless well, ones. We, Can well, I go back George and talk about Bush. Gore and Bush? Yeah, right. Exactly. And and by the way. Uh, as there were some conservatives who were poo-pooing uh, Gore, uh, I was not among them, meaning I didn't agree with him. But I said, well, if you have a legal basis, and he did in terms of technical legal basis, to make a claim, not to win, but to make a claim in court, knock yourself out. Go ahead. And he didn't lost. That's yeah. what the courts are there for. And then everybody the got everybody got upset with the Supreme Court because they made a decision. Well, he wanted exactly. a decision and he got one. And you got a decision. And, and, and here's the interesting thing. The courts took the case in the Gore case, and they handled the case. And in, in, when Trump's supporters brought a variety of cases to court, the courts threw them out, didn't address the merits, threw them out. Well, you have no standing. Uh, you don't have enough evidence. Well, that's what happens. Uh, having standing uh, is is a nonsense claim as a general matter, which is if this is about elections, everybody has standing because everybody's affected by that. So that's one nonsensical claim. And then, well, you don't have enough evidence. Well, this is a claim for fraud. And so the, you can only have so much evidence until you get discovery to get more evidence and say, well, no, for a claim for fraud, you need more evidence before you file a case. That's a catch-22, isn't it? Yeah, I I would absolutely agree with you, Robert. And, and these other courts they just uh, you know they just played uh, party politics that's what they did that's right exactly all right so bottom line for you who are pro-abortion uh okay so you got to fight it out here if you want to change it in arkansas you got to you got to convince your fellow citizens of arkansas that we need to change it i don't give you much hope in changing it uh, here in the near future, but uh, who knows? Over time, maybe it will. I'll be talking about that tomorrow, about how we're slowly uh, lowering ourselves into uh, deviancy, and, and that's something that Moynihan said uh, many, many years ago, and then we'll talk about it tomorrow uh, with our, our guest, Scott Hoganson, about that on his newest article dealing with uh, Moynihan's uh, opinion piece uh, about 40 years ago. All right. So let's move on. Let's go ahead and get our our, our break in quickly, and then it'll give us plenty of time to talk about my next topic. And I'm going to tell you, if if you're a Trumper that says he can't do anything wrong, you're not going to like, like what's coming up. You're not going to like what I'm <laughs> going to say. We're going to talk about it when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, let's get back to the final segment of this Wednesday show, uh, day after election. Uh, I'm tired. I want to go home. I want to lay down. I want to go to bed. I didn't get home and get in bed until uh, around 
Well, it was after midnight, back up at three forty-five this morning. So, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little bit tired. All right, just to be honest with everybody, but uh, this is a subject I want to take up, and and I'm, I'm, I'm I'll take the, I'll take the blast from uh, my friends and other people uh, that are are huge Donald Trump fans. Look, I'm a, I'm a big Donald Trump fan. But there's something about me that you need to know, and it's been this way ever since I went on the air here in central Arkansas. And that is, if a Republican is doing wrong, I'll call them out as much as I'll call out a Democrat, a Libertarian, or anybody else. And I've done it in the past. I've been faced with people in the upper echelon of the Republican Party of Arkansas and told, you air our dirty laundry on the air. And I said, well... It has to be aired out because if you don't, we're just like the other guys. And I, re- I refuse to play that game. So let's take a look at this story. Donald Trump has warned Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis against running for president in 2024, saying doing so is going to harm the Republican Party. How is it going to harm it? Well, he threatened to release unflattering information about the 44-year-old, and he didn't provide any details. Mr. DeSantis won a landslide victory uh, last night, underlying uh, his popularity and further fueling speculation he'll launch a bid uh, for the White House. Mr. Trump is also tipped that he's going to announce a presidential run. So I guess next Tuesday is kind of what the day is uh, that everybody's looking at. He told the U.S. network Fox News that the Florida governor should stay out of the race. And I'm going to quote this exactly as he said it. I don't know if he's running. I think if he runs, he could hurt himself very badly. I really believe he could hurt himself badly. I don't think it would be good for the party. Mr. Trump's comments came after just hours before Tuesday's midterm elections. He also branded the rising Republican star uh, Ron D. Sanctimonious at a rally over the weekend in Pennsylvania. If Mr. DeSantis were to announce a presidential bid, Mr. Trump said this. I would reveal, quote, things about him that won't be very flattering. I know more about him than anybody other than perhaps his wife. And again, he provided no details. Look, don't be saying that you're going to smear somebody. I I got a real problem with Mr. Trump saying this, and I believe there's a lot of people who feel the same way I do. I I supported him. I still do support him. uh, But... uh, I've always told everybody, I'm a Reagan Republican. Reagan believed if you could work with a guy 80% of the time, then he really wasn't your enemy. He just wasn't, he just ignorant of the other 20% that he, he didn't agree with you on. So the bottom line is this. If he, if he keeps this up, if he starts leaking out stuff about DeSantis and saying, hey, look at this, look at that, what this, what that, I'm done with him. I'll wash my hands of him. That's just the way I feel about it. I don't know about how you feel about it, Robert, but that's how I feel about it. Well, I I share your general sentiment, Dave, because here's the thing. Uh, If you have information that's relevant uh, to a campaign uh, that you want to share about DeSantis, 
then just share it. Yeah. Don't be making threats out there. Don't be saying, oh, I'm, I'm holding back. That's, a, that's kind of a blackmail, you know? Uh, if you have information that is relevant, then you share it. If it's not relevant, then don't allude to it. Uh, and so it's, you know, kind of half in, half out, both in the wrong direction. Uh, so, no, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Yeah, and, yeah, I'm, I'll be honest, uh, you know, right now, I, I like uh, Mr. Trump, and I probably mm-hmm. would vote for him to get the nomination. But if he mm-hmm. does this, there ain't no way under God's blue sky that I'm going to vote for him for the nomination to be able to run for the Republican Party for the, for the presidency. You don't go out and that. smear people. We've, we've lived that through, this, through our country before. J. Edgar Hoover and others who smeared people. No, let's stop that kind of stuff. Uh, it's, not, it's supposed to be politics. It's not supposed to be politics of destruction. The left does that all the time. Let's not start doing it to each other on the right. Yeah, well, and, you know, the, the problem is either a fact is relevant or a fact is not relevant. Uh, and, of course, people that have different opinions on the margins to what's relevant. But uh, outside the margins, we kind of generally know what is relevant and what's not relevant. And threatening to disclose something relevant or not relevant is an unseemly um, approach, meaning, yeah. hey, if you've got information that the voters should know, don't tell the voters you're only going to release this if you can't leverage there the you candidate go. out of the office. Release the information. And if it's not relevant, then threatening to release it is is a um, you know kind of a blackmail, like I say. Not literally, to be clear. I don't want to misstate the, the right. legal connotation there. Well, it's kind of a, it is smearing somebody. It's threatening right. to smear somebody. That's right. That's right. That's not what I'm looking for. Absolutely isn't what I'm looking for uh, in my presidential candidate. I want Mr. Trump's policies. I want to go back to, you know, one point whatever inflation level and go back to, you know, gasoline that was well below $3 a gallon. I want to go back to, you know, being energy independent. I want to go back to all of the I want back to a secure border. Indeed, and those are all important policy issues. But just to be fair, let's say, and this is not the case, not the case, but let's say Donald Trump knew that uh, any opposing candidate uh, was embezzling millions of dollars. Right? Oh, well, that's a different story. That's right. That's a relevant character trait that needs to be disclosed. Uh, But then you don't threaten to disclose it. You You just disclose it. That's exactly (laughs) Right. right. You're absolutely right. You just go ahead and disclose it. By the way, I'm going to send this uh, uh, column from Moynihan and the uh, column from Scott Hoganson to you, just so you'll know what I'm getting into uh, tomorrow uh, on our show. And and this Moynihan wrote a an an op-ed years ago about how the United States was sinking into depravity. And it was a great thing there. It's kind of remembering uh, the uh, Supreme Court nominee who got, you know, Bork, who said we were slouching towards Gomorrah. And uh, those are really, really powerful, powerful pieces. And I want to talk about that because... You know, the further we get, the more we write God out of the uh, out of the public square, the worse this country is going to become. 
It's just, it's just the bottom line. I mean, your audience, Dave, uh, Pat Moynihan, uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, his full name, was a U.S. senator for many, many years out of New York, a Democrat, but a conservative Democrat. Mm-hmm. Not an ultra-conservative, but nonetheless a conservative Democrat. And he retired, uh, and then Hillary Clinton ran and won his seat in New York, having never been from New York, of course. She moved to New York six months prior, ran, and all the leftists uh, gooed over her uh, and uh, and elected her. Yeah, by the way, everybody who said that uh, Oz was a, a carpetbagger because he, he came from New Jersey and, and, and lived in right. Pennsylvania, boy, there's your ultimate carpetbagger from Hillary Clinton. Well, that's right. I mean, that's, you know, it's such a short time. People can move, you know. Yeah. And if you lived in a place for 10 years, well, then that's fine, whatever. I mean, pick a number. But, you know, six months, uh, I don't buy that. Yeah. But, so, of course, it's up to the the law permitted it, and it was up to the voters, and they voted for her. Yeah. But they voted for her because they deify. Uh, but this happens on the left and the right, by the way. But they deify these um, national figures, and it's really unfortunate. Well, when you deify Hillary Clinton, you're deifying deviancy. I'm just yeah. being honest. Yeah. All right, that's yeah. what you're doing. So we'll talk about that early on tomorrow. Uh, I hope um, the majority of my listeners will rouse themselves up uh, to uh, listen to that uh, discussion at 635. I, I haven't heard yet. Let me Before I say this, let me go look at... Uh, my email real quick and see if I've heard anything back uh, from the folks that are handling Dick Morris and if he's going to make it or not. And I see nothing from them yet. So right now, six o'clock is open. But if Dick Moore shows up, we'll, of course, put him on and uh, have him talk to the folks here uh, in Arkansas about what he thinks about the election. There's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, autopsies done about this. You know, and, and why did it why wasn't it a red wave? Why didn't it happen? You know, what is your main thought on that, uh, uh, Robert? Why do you think it, it, it was all set up? I mean, what normally would lead to a wave election in that the economy was not good. Uh, inflation was not. I mean, it, we can go back to Reagan and Carter. Same kind of situation. And Reagan, you know, squashed him like a bug. Yeah, uh, I don't know the answer yet. I think we need to look through the election results more closely to try to determine why there wasn't this red wave that you and I and many others thought was going to happen. And even if it wasn't, if it didn't turn out to be an overwhelming red wave, uh, we would have nonetheless been fair in calling it a red wave if there was a sort of dramatic uh, shift, but there wasn't. Uh, even though we were, won some very important seats, don't get me wrong. Uh, but there wasn't a red wave. It's just not fair to say that there was. And it's all of the circumstances were set up for there to be one. So that's a question we're going to need to investigate. Yeah, we got to figure it out. There's no doubt about it. before 2024, before 2020, late 2023, because we're going to be putting a nominee up and we're going to have to know. And uh, I hope right. by, in 2023 that uh, I'll be going to the Republican National Convention and uh, getting behind whoever our our uh, candidate's going to be. I mean, is it going to be Trump DeSantis? Is it going to be DeSantis Trump? I don't foresee it being DeSantis Trump because I don't think uh, former President Trump would uh, let himself be second on the ticket as far as that's concerned. All right. 
I'm going to let you go, brother. I appreciate you being with me here at 9 o'clock hour. It's, it's, I'm a little bit confused. i got to figure it out because i got to speak to the Pulaski County Republican women uh, tomorrow uh, at lunch. So I want to have some pretty clear thoughts in my head about why this election happened the way it happened. With that said, I'll let you go. How's that? Take care, brother. God bless. Checks in the mail. Talk to you later. Mm-hmm. All right. Dave Ellswick Show. Be back with you tomorrow, 6 a.m. Looking forward to talking to you. Uh, I'll be putting my brain to this thing and t- thinking more about it and talking to a lot of people and see if uh, they can give me any really good uh, information. I'm going to try to work through our congressman and see if maybe we can get somebody like Steve Scalise on uh, here in the next few days and talk to him. He might have some uh, things to say. Now, he did say today they get control of the House, which looks self-inevitable, looks like it's going to happen. It does. Energy is going to be one of the first things that they get in there and uh, deal with. So we'll talk more about it tomorrow, 6 a.m., right here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.